0: Good morning, now I was just remembering a few moments ago that Colin normally says he prays on a Saturday about the weather and he's not here today and I'm wondering whether he missed a beat and uh, anyway he, he, Colin is actually preaching at Wellington Central Baptist Church uh, and I hope he got there okay in the rain as well. But. Uh, So my privilege to have the chance to open the Scriptures together. I want to start with a poem that some of you may remember from way back in school days. It was six men of Hindustan to learning much inclined who went to see the elephant though each of them was blind uh, each to satisfy his mind. The, the first approached the elephant and happening to fall against his broad and sturdy side at once began to bawl. God bless me, but the elephant is very like a wall. The second feeling of the tusk cried, "Ho! Hey, what have we here? So very round and smooth and sharp to me is very clear. This wonder of the elephant is very like a wall. A spear. The third approached the animal and happening to take the squirming trunk within his hands, thus boldly up he spake. I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a snake. The fourth reached out an eager hand and felt about the knee. What most this wondrous beast is like is very plain, quoth he. "'Tis clear enough the elephant is very like a tree." The fifth who chanced to touch the ear said, "'In the blindest man can tell what this resembles most, "'Deny the fact who can. "'This marvel of an elephant is very like a fan.'" The six no sooner had begun about the beast to grope than seizing on the swinging tail that fell within his scope. I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a rope. And so these men of Indistan disputed loud and long, each in his opinion exceeding stiff and strong, though each of them was partly right, they all were in the wrong. There are many people today who kind of approach God and the church in a somewhat similar vein, that they've had an experience or they've, they, they've touched, as it were, part of God in some form, and they've formed in their mind an impression or an opinion about what God and the church is like. And they're technically correct, but they're also woefully incomplete. Their experience, positive or hurtful and negative, there's much more of God and much more of His church than they have yet discovered. Their limited experience has sadly led to a distorted impression. Well, there's a particular verse in the New Testament that I want to take us to today that that describes in in a succinct way what the church is supposed to be like and how we function. Uh, The apostle Paul was the one who referred to the church as the body of Christ. And we'll come back to that uh, reference in a moment but it describes how God has chosen to reveal Himself through the members of the church. People actually like you and me. And it comes from the first of two letters that the Apostle Peter wrote to uh, <coughs> excuse me, groups of scattered Christians around about the middle of the first century AD. And he was giving them actually a bit of a rev up uh, as, they, as to what they were supposed to be doing and what they were supposed to be like. Were they exercising their responsibilities and making a difference on how people came to understand the nature of God? Here's what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. He said, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, as we must always do with a single verse like this, we put it into its proper context. And in the verses uh, immediately prior to this particular verse, Peter is reminding them about how the end of times was coming, and with that the return or the second coming of Jesus. And with the end of the age, there will be a reckoning and accounting for how we have performed or how we have behaved. And therefore, Peter, uh, along with other New Testament writers, was wanting the church to be mindful of this so that when the time comes, we will actually have something to report. Uh, I don't know, but maybe there were two types of lazy Christians in Peter's day that he had in mind. There uh, were those perhaps who believed that the end uh, was imminent and therefore there's not a lot of point in us trying to be active and do too much because, well, Jesus is coming again and we may as well just sit back and wait for it to happen. And at the other end of the spectrum were those who kind of thought, well, the, the second coming of Jesus is a long way off, so there's no rush, we can... Sit back and chill, don't stress, take it easy. We've got plenty of time to get our act together. Well, Peter and, as I say, other New Testament authors were anxious that we didn't think like that, that we were prepared whenever the coming of Jesus would be that he would find us doing and being the kinds of people that he had destined us to be. Now, I mean, this particular verse introduces us to a, Really large subject matter that we're not going to have time today to do justice to in uh, all its fullness. So I acknowledge that right up front. The whole subject of spiritual gifts uh, is described in, in several parts of the New Testament. And the the writers of the New Testament wanted us to understand how it affects every single follower of Jesus and the view of the church that we hold and which other people are able to see. Now, sadly, for, for hundreds of years, Uh, This has been actually a neglected subject in the teaching of most churches. And I'm thinking globally uh, in that sense there. The, The assumption has been for probably 1,500 years or more that the only real people that God calls and therefore gifts to be His servants are the professionals, the ministers, the pastors, the priests, the people that are ordained clergy, the people that you see on the stage. They are the people who serve God as distinct from, can we use the term, the rank and file ordinary church member They tend to have more of a a passive participation. Well, in actual fact, as we're going to see in a moment, the opposite of that is supposed to be the case. Now, now some of us, I suspect, come from church backgrounds where there has been a, a lot of teaching about spiritual gifts, in some cases, maybe too much. Uh, or at least certain types of gifts. For others of us, I'm guessing some of what I want to share today might actually be somewhat new information that you will need to assimilate as a follower of Jesus. But, but jumping into what Peter was having to say here, that there are a number of core principles about the nature of the church and spiritual gifts that are worth us wrestling with. And the first of these Is that each one of us has received a spiritual gift or gifts in order to serve in God's cause? Uh, We're going to elaborate in a moment uh, what exactly the term spiritual gifts means. But the, the first thing I want us to note is that according to the Apostle Peter, every single one of us, without exception, has one or more gifts from God. And this is actually a clear and a repeated teaching throughout the New Testament from more than one author of the New Testament letters. When the Apostle Paul, for instance, wrote about the subject of spiritual gifts to a bunch of churches, he described it in these terms, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse seven. He said, now to each one, The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That the Spirit of God imparts or gives to every believer special ability or skill or enabling, a variety of metaphors could be used, that allow us to be useful to work in God's mission in our world. Now, these may be in the form of a special proficiency. Uh, it might be an aptitude. It might be a function that has been given or deposited in us sovereignly by God. Perhaps a bit like a set of tools or a skill set by which we are employed and able to work in God's cause in the world. Now, Paul was the New Testament writer who wrote the most about this whole subject and how it all works. But in a nutshell, Paul described the distribution of spiritual gifts across the church involving everybody as like a human body. And a human body, Paul said, is made up of a multiplicity of different organs and muscles and bones and whatever else we want to describe that makes up a human body, that all works together. The church, he said, is a little bit like that. Jesus is the head of the church, but we who make up the community of faith are like the physical body of Christ in our world. All the various organs and muscles and arms and parts of a human body are like people who make up the church. In the same way that all the organs and parts of a human body function differently, so it is in the church. God has given special ability or gifting to some in the body of Christ to function in some particular way and different abilities to others to function in other ways. Some parts of the body are visible and audible, other parts are more internal and hidden. And yet Paul's point about the human body is that every single part that makes it up is absolutely vital for the correct functioning of the body. So God gives special gifting to some to be upfront and outspoken to others, he gives special gifting that is best employed more behind the scenes or in the background. And the most important point about the Apostle Paul's teaching in particular about the nature of spiritual gifts is that every single person in the body of Christ, the household of God, the family of God, has unique and special ability to, uh, to, in the correct functioning of the church. And this means you and me. There is skill, there is ability, That there is a function that God has given to every single one of us that is to be employed in the correct function of the body of Christ. Now, what happens, I reckon, as a way of explaining this, might be that when a person surrenders the leadership or the management of their life to Jesus, when Jesus becomes Lord of our lives, the Bible says that God places His Spirit within us. And as we grow in our relationship with God, as we learn to yield more and more of our lives to His control and the empowering of the Spirit, special abilities or natural proficiencies or innate aptitude begins to be recognised, maybe by ourselves, maybe by other people, that we might not have been aware of before we became a follower of Jesus. They're like expressions or manifestations of the Holy Spirit's presence within us. There is a natural inclination, an aptitude, a burden perhaps for certain things to happen for God's glory that are, well, they are remarkably effective that we can see and do that other people are not equipped in the same way. I will reflect on this in a moment also. But the first truth I want us to grab hold of is the fact that the Bible teaches that every single one of us, if Jesus is our Lord, have received gifts by the Holy Spirit. And when the Apostle Paul uses the term To each one, the uh, original words in the Greek language that the New Testament was written in have a particular meaning about each one. They mean literally each one. There are no exceptions. Now, some of us may not have much of a clue at this stage as to the nature of our gifts, But our ignorance of how we are gifted and equipped by God does not actually uh, change the fact of God's sovereign choice to distribute spiritual gifts uh, across the church. It simply means that we might need to learn what they are. Then a second principle from this verse in 1 Peter 4.10 is that gifts of the Spirit are different and varied. I've already hinted at this. Or to put it another way, there is not one type or sort of spiritual gift uh, that is the same. Every organ in a human body is different. Uh, such a body would be highly dysfunctional if, as Paul said, every single organ in the body was exactly the same? Where would the sense of smell be if every organ was an ear or uh, if every organ was a foot? uh, How would you be able to pick something up? By God's design the human body is made up of all manner of different arms and limbs and muscles and sinew and flesh and, and, and what have you and organs so that the body can function collectively. Likewise, Paul said, by God's design with the church. Another expression of this would be the fact that we are not all clones. That the different way that God might have wired you from me is part of his creativity and his uh, creative ability. God has given abilities and giftings to some for one particular function, but others operate in an entirely different manner. Maybe the analogy of an orchestra uh, might help us to get our heads around this. When the conductor gets up in front of the orchestra, the orchestra is made up of, what, a multiplicity of different instruments. They don't all make the same sound. More than that, when the conductor conducts the orchestra, they don't all play at the same time, nor do they necessarily, on the musical score, all play the same note. And yet you put them all together and you have a beautiful harmony. And so it is with the church. When it comes to following Jesus or being part of the body of Christ, we are not meant to all have the same abilities or giftings as others. What God has empowered one of us to be able to do is vastly different from what He has empowered others. We're not unspiritual, we're not immature if we cannot perform or function in the way that another Christian can. Is that a tsunami? <laughs> I mean, some people get rather muddled up about this, a- and they they feel depressed or down on themselves because they can't function in exactly the same way that others in the church can. On the uh, gift distribution scale, they perhaps feel like they're more of a tonsil, you know, or a or a gallbladder or something, the body can actually have excise and you're carrying on and you can live okay. When God said, uh, you know, gift, he thought they said trains and they said, no, we'll catch the next one. So they've missed out. Spiritual gifts that God gives to one believer will be vastly different to that which he gives to another. What God expects from you will be vastly different to what He expects from the person sitting next to you and vice versa. And each of those various gifts is essential in the correct functioning of the body of Christ. Then another principle, spiritual gifts are expressions of God's grace. This was a point that Peter was making explicitly. This is one of the main reasons why God is keen that we understand and use what we've been given. For when we use our spiritual gifts, we're expressing expressing or administering, we are displaying the grace of God in its various forms. You could actually express that in a negative vein. When we refrain from using the gifts that we are given, we are denying the expression of God's grace in front of other people that we associate with. The variety and the diversity of gifts of the Spirit are an expression of the variety and the diversity of God's character. He manifests or shows His love in the world in a whole variety of different ways. The original word that's translated in our English Bible as gifts Uh, comes from, in the Greek language, the word charisma or charismata. And charismata is an extension of another important Greek word charis, which is normally translated as grace, the grace of God. (coughs) In other words, spiritual gifts are like little gracelets or mini expressions of what the grace of God is like. We're like mirrors or signposts or reflectors of the power and the order of God's character. As people use or exercise the gifts of the Spirit that have been given to them, they are depicting aspects of God's character to others around about them. For instance, the person that has the evangelistic gift Uh, They can't help but turn a conversation around to how a person can become a follower of Jesus. That's the way that they are wired. But they are displaying the fact uh, of God's grace that draws people into relationship and friendship with Him. Or take a person that has a hospitality gift. They are expressing another aspect of the character of God, the fact that God is a faithful friend. He provides and cares for the needs of people when they're down and out. Those with a gift of healing, they might demonstrate the grace of God in compassion for those who are sick. Those who have gifts of administration or leadership demonstrate the aspect of God's character that is ordered and efficient. So the the, the whole nature and the character of God is various and multiplicity, and therefore the spiritual gifts that are given across the church, they also are various and multiplicity. Uh, spiritual gifts are a little bit like cameos or windows through which we can look in and see what God is like. Or better still, that there are means by which the character and the grace of God continues to reveal itself to the world around us. And as we learn and exercise our gifts, we are manifesting little snippets or pieces of a divine jigsaw in terms of a picture of what God is really like. Now I'm guessing here, but I I wonder if the authors of the New Testament were writing today about a subject like spiritual gifts. They they might have used something like uh, a sporting analogy. Take something like cricket, for instance where you have specialist batsmen who have very different skills, for instance, to specialist bowlers. Or take a sport like rugby and a team like the All Blacks or the Black Ferns. There are some players who are built for uh, high impact forward play and there are others who can run like the wind who form the back line. There is a specialist goal kicker. Or there's the team captain whose leadership and motivational skills bring or draw out the best from the rest of the team. There are coaches that train the players and a management team that handle the business side of things. There are administrators who make sure that travel plans and accommodation arrangements are made. There's a team doctor and physical therapist who patch up injured players and a locker room crew that make sure all of the uniforms are available and they're in the locker room before play. just the right time, and so on and so on. We sometimes wrongly assume that a team wins a game because of a few star players. Uh, Behind the scenes, behind even those who are visible on the field, are a plethora of people with different specialist skills who make up a successful franchise. The Apostle Peter's point... When we exercise our spiritual gifts that we have been given, we are manifesting or administrating the multifaceted grace of God in its various forms. And then one more. Spiritual gifts are given in order to serve. Each one should use whatever gift you have received to serve others and there are two really important principles to understand about why spiritual gifts are distributed across the body of Christ the first is that they are not given to us for our own sake they are given to us for the sake of others And in this sense, maybe actually the English word gift here is uh, a bit misleading because we typically associate a term like that with the exchange of ownership of property. If I give you a gift, I am relinquishing the ownership of that thing and from then on, having given it to you, it's yours to do with what you like. When it comes to spiritual gifts or charismata, the focus of the gift is actually different. Its purpose is not necessarily to bless the person who receives or manifests the gift, but rather that the recipient would serve and bless or encourage others. They are a means by which we serve others. So spiritual gifts are not selfish possessions that we own, that we can do with as we please they are certainly never merit badges or signs of spirituality. That they are something given to us, not so that we will feel blessed, they are given or distributed in order that we might be able to be a blessing towards other people. Spiritual gifts in that sense are other-centred, not self-centred. They're like tools that a master craftsman has lent to us in order that we might fulfil our assignment. But the second really important principle we need to grasp is the fact that serving is actually at the core of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And if there's one particular truth that I would love for us to grasp hold of as we imagine ourselves continuing to grow and filling a new building down the road is that it's going to take every single one of us pulling our weight and using the gifts that God has given us in order for our church to flourish and succeed. And so therefore, serving others, serving in the body of Christ, this is normal Christianity or turn that on its head, faith in Jesus that does not result in serving others or serving in God's mission in some form, well, that is actually subnormal or abnormal Christianity. It's the opposite of selflessness. If spiritual gifts belong to anyone, they actually belong to the body of Christ, not our individual possession. They're given in order for the body of Christ to function and express the full manifestation of the grace of God. So again, the person who has a spiritual gift, they discover of healing, for instance. They they don't possess the power or the ability to wander around and just lay hands on and heal whoever they come to. Their gift simply manifests itself at those times and situations when God, by the leading of the Spirit, is wanting to touch and heal a person in need. Likewise, with a spiritual gift like knowledge or discernment or prophecy, uh, they have not been given special ability from God to be able to see and know the secrets of every person they come along. Their gift is given in order to minister to or serve those people that God is wanting to touch in a given time and place. Likewise could be said for all the other gifts as well. They're not the possession of the individual, they are manifestations of God's grace in all its various forms. They belong to the body of Christ and are given or loaned to us so that we might be able to serve others. So where where does all of this find application for us uh, in our context here? How do we throw a rope over these lofty principles and pull them down to our context? Well, Well, maybe one key application might be recognising that being actually a passive Christ follower who merely warms a seat in church and believes that the only real servants of God are those that we see on the stage, that's a heresy. It's a denial of what the Bible actually teaches about the nature of the church. And if that's how we have perceived things, well, we choose to repent and to confess our sin of inactivity. Maybe another application might be that we have an honest talk with ourselves about where and how we serve in the body of Christ. Because if the Bible says that every single one of us, the manifestation of the Spirit is given in the form of spiritual gifts, doesn't that beg the question as to what we are actually doing to contribute to the correct functioning of the body of Christ maybe we should have an answer to that question that someday someone may ask us so tell me where where do you serve now now maybe some of us might respond to this with I I haven't got a clue what my spiritual gifts might be How, how can I serve if I don't know and Well, that's actually a fair question. It's a fair question that maybe needs to become for us something of a personal exploration, a discovery, a quest, as we seek to understand the way God has wired us to serve Him. Uh, Next year, we're going to run a course uh, around the whole subject of spiritual gifts, but you don't need to wait until then. Lots of resources that you can tap into before then. But Maybe the place to start might be noting areas of natural interest or inclination that you have about what the church could do or be. Is there a particular issue or a ministry that we feel drawn towards? Maybe a simple place to start might even be actually agreeing to volunteer when requests are made for helpers in ministries that are associated with the church. For actually one of the best ways to discover your spiritual gifts is actually experimentation. See what happens, have a go. I I did that some years ago as a teenage young Christian who was pretty sure that I had uh, a gift of singing. (laughs) I even wrote a song once but I discovered on the looks of people's places that they actually weren't blessed when I sang. And then someone gave me a Bible verse and a microphone and said, would you talk about this particular verse? And people came up to me afterwards and said, well, that was actually incredibly helpful uh, and encouraging. Maybe we, we, we try. Ralph Neighbour in his book, This Guest is Mine, talks about a young couple uh, who he was counselling for marriage, and I don't know how they got onto the whole subject, but one of the the woman uh, came from an Italian background, and the uh, the groom, the husband, uh, was uh, fr- from an English background. And sorry, the other way round: the, the the wife was English, and and the the husband was Italian. And they discovered after a while that she could never make spaghetti quite the way that her mother-in-law could. And so after a little while, she sidled up to her mother-in-law and said, what's the secret? And the mother-in-law sort of looked around to make sure no one was listening. You come here, I tell you, I got a secret. You put the pasta in the pot, you boil it, and then you take with a little bit of the pasta and you throw it against the wall. If it sticks, it's done. If it doesn't stick, you put it back and you boil it some more. But over the years, experimentation and listening to the affirmations of what other people have reflected back to us is one of the key ways we discover our area of gifting. The point is, our gift or gifts are given that we might serve in the body of Christ. Well, let me me finish with a, a humorous story and a really bad example of census mathematics. You might have heard that the population of the United States is a little over 300 million people. There are 160 million who are retired, which leaves only 140 million people to do all the work to run the country. Now, there are 85 million people in school, which leaves only 55 million to do the work. And of this, there are 35 million employed by the federal government, leaving only 15 million people to do the work. 2.8 million are in the armed forces and fighting overseas. That leaves only 12.2 million people to do the work. Take from that total 10.8 million people who work for state and city governments, that only leaves 1.4 million people to do the work. At any given time, there are 188,000 people in hospitals, leaving 1,212,000 to do the work. And now there are actually 1 million... 211,998 people in prison. That leaves just two people to do the work. That's you and me. I'm not sure that you're pulling your weight. Let's pray together. Lord, we have great dreams for our church. And, and may our dreams for Golden Sands Baptist be consistent with what are your dreams and ambitions as well. For our church does not belong to us. It's yours. And already in our short history, we have seen miracle after miracle in terms of your provision and resource. And there's gotta be reason for this. Are you setting us up to do something that is very significant? For we know that if that is the case, as we seek to reach our city with the good news of Jesus, every single one of us has a part to play. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to do a deep work in us to help us understand just where our part is if we don't know would you show us if we do know and when we know may we have the energy and courage to use the gifts that we've been given for your glory in your name we pray